Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is to create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic grace, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. While we don't have all the answers, we hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Welcome back. This is Jenny Brady with Grace 360 Podcast. I am so excited today to have one of my good friends, Joel Hazard. Um, Joel, I, I don't even really, I was thinking back the other day about how we met. And I think how we met was someone went to a CISA conference and met you and then came back and told me, you need to get to know Joel Hazard. Do you remember that? Yes. And the same is true for me. So I had heard your name in multiple circles, but I had never met you. Okay. And then I guess it got back to you. Hey, you need to know Joel. And obviously God was in the middle of it, right? Because eventually we did meet up at a conference and it was like, ah, I've heard so much about you. You were able to say the same thing to me. Yes. And then it went from there. Yeah, yeah. in friends and um, not only friends, though, we've now started this crazy thing. Um, what was it? After we met, we then decided, hey, we need a place for Christian educators to wrestle with diversity, but diversity right. from a worldview, because we were all training in the secular world. And we right. saw that we were missing this big component of, hey, actually, God created this. And what does he want with it? And how does this work instead of the, how the secular world was dealing with it? And right, so- for sure. And, and I think it, that's amazing in itself, um, simply because we all had the same mindset to say, we're going to these secular trainings and we're having to pretty much cut and paste what will fit in our environment, what is biblically sound, yes. and then cast out the rest. So yeah, how that all came to be, that's, that's complete God. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's someone with us, right? David Robinson. Um, so he he's in this with us. And it was just fun, the three of us getting together and saying, okay, God, what do you want with us? And uh, and since then, just developing right. that relationship and working together, whether we're consulting with schools or you know, coaching or creating the symposium, whatever that looks like, just I guess being a source of encouragement, but also resources and um just even just strength for each other. So uh, right. and I, yeah. I think we I think it's it's for sure. And I think it's important that, you know, we have other people in these positions that yeah, going through the same life stages. Yeah. Right. While figuring out this work. So yeah, you know, it's it's been good. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, when I was thinking about what, what else do we talk about with this podcast, that'd be really interesting if you and I got together because you and I are kind of in, in the similar professional stage of life where mm-hmm. we have just transitioned to new schools and um, doing the work, but we're starting like in a new environment, in a new area. Right. And so that comes with a whole nother, I guess, a whole nother process to think through. So while we've been doing the work for many, many years, we haven't been in our current um, environment for long at all, a few months. And so just maybe I thought we could just have a conversation about what that looks like. What are some things that as someone moves into a new location, a new institution, or if someone is just starting to develop a program, what are some things they need to think of? So if you're good with it, that's kind of what I thought we would might discuss today. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and jump in. 
So I guess as, as people, as people start with the big picture of what this looks like, as you're starting in a new school or you're starting a new program, what do you think are some of those things that you need to consider right off the bat? Like, what are some things that you need to tackle um, as you get started? Right. And I, you know, Jenny, I think that's a great question. You know, when it comes to this work, it's not a plug and play, mm-hmm. right? Your school's culture is different from my school's culture, which is different from, you know, David's school culture, so on and so forth. So I think the first thing, you know, coming in is understanding it's not a one size fits all. Yes. Number two, you know, I love the way David always puts it when he does his training. Every school has an accent. And it's up to you as you go into the school is to identify what that accent is. Yeah. What is the culture? And so being able to come in and to sit back and really listen to right your different stakeholders, you know, what is you know, your leadership saying? What are your family saying? What are your kids saying? That way you can get that uh, collective and big picture on what is the accent. I think for anyone coming in is understanding that this is not easy. You're the new guy. It's a new role, right? Yeah. Um, and just really understanding this is this is not a sprint. It's really sitting back and forming relationships first. I 100% agree with you. I think it's that relationship building, that listening that you talk about. And so as we listen, I think what you and I are both learning is that we have, we almost have two camps of people groups, right? We have those that are really excited, say, I've been praying for this position. I've been praying for you. We're so excited to have you. And then we have those that are like, I really don't understand what you're doing. I'm actually kind of scared of what that might mean. And so I guess maybe if we could address kind of what some of those fears might be that we've heard as people have brought them up. Right. And I think um, the first thing is understanding um, the way in which the world handles the work in which we do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And so I sit back and I say, do I understand the outside culture? Yeah. What, what is the out, outside culture saying to us politically? What is it saying to us socially? What is it saying to us racially? Right. Um, and I think if we were to look outside of our schools, we will see how the world is handling it without God in the middle. Yes. And so there's no common ground established and therefore you have division. Mm-hmm. And so I will, I will tell you, Jenny, I would tell any, any parent in our environment, their concerns are valid, right? I agree. Those are valid concerns, and, and I don't want to invalidate those. Yeah. I think it's up to anyone carrying the torch, carrying the banner of diversity work to make sure whatever we do is biblically ingrained, mm-hmm. biblically embedded, and we're biblically minded as we go forward. I'm always talking about when you do this work, you're going to deal with the variety of emotions. Now, as you indicated, you got one camp that's glad and another camp on this side. I always break it down. You're going to deal with the glad, the mad, the bad, the sad. Mm. You're going to deal with the glad, those that are glad you're starting it. You're going to deal with those that may be mad that you're making issues out of things that are non-issues or you're caving to the political and public pressure. You're going to deal with those that are bad. Hear me on this. When I say bad, I'm not talking bad people. I'm talking about that as your culture is looking to enhance, 
or go in a certain direction, you may have those that are just bad organizational fits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to say it out loud, whether it's these diversity initiatives or it's a curricular or it's, you know, even with these masks and, and COVID protocols. And then you're going to deal with the sad. Those that as you start to do this work and you start to hammer those relationships and you start to get in and you start to reveal some of the hurt that's in your community, people may feel sad to know they unknowingly have contributed or played a part in the sadness in their students or families. And those are the emotions we need to keep in the forefront of our mind as we're going and we're listening to people. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's very interesting. When I started this work 17 years ago, there was some fear associated with it because it was so unknown. And so the fears were lining up more with, you know, what, I guess it was the same as it is today. More so what are the secular views and are you bringing the secular worldviews? But as we established the work, it was quickly understood that, no, this is actually gospel work. This is biblical work. Um, And so then to start in a new environment and have those same questions, but it just seems that we're in a day and age when it's so politicized now. And so I understand, I fully understand the fears. I think um, what what is a little more alarming to me is that um, while I understand the fears, I do wish that um, as we understand the fears that we would create more places for dialogue and more places to learn together. And instead of, you know, I don't know if definitely not everybody's doing this, but instead of kind of that idea of we're going to research you and figure out exactly what you're for and what you're against, kind of almost that spirit of I'm out to get this position. If we would create a place for um, a welcoming, like let's actually understand more what the Bible has to say about this and more about who Jesus is and what he wanted with this. Um, You know, Dr. Gant, Bernard Gant at ACSI, he's always said when Jesus, if Jesus were to come and create a school, what would that school look like in a student body? And so I think about that often. And I, and I do wonder how that impacts our communities. And I, I am so excited about our new roles and our new communities um, and just what God is going to do with that. But it isn't easy. So for anyone starting, just so you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not, not easy. Yeah, it's but but there are so many wonderful points about it. You know, I often tell people that I have learned more about God and who he is in this work. And so I am so grateful for those hard times where I have to dig deep and go, okay, wait, right. how does this apply biblically? And what do I need to do with this? And those times that I have to be really humble and say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. You know, right. I'm in the process of sure. learning also. So please, there's an open door policy. Come and share with me when I'm wrong. Um, right. So, yeah, so I think it is really important to understand, to begin that listening and then to understand our audience and where, where everybody's kind of falling in line and help to meet them where they are. That's one thing that Jesus did, right? As he met us where we are Right. So to meet people where they are. So as you listen and as you meet people where they are, what are some other areas that you feel are really important as you begin the work? Um, I, I'm sorry, I might answer my own question, but I do want to throw it out to you. Um, mm-hmm. I often say that, you know, people are quick to say, okay, we're so excited because the diversity is going to come. And I say, no, we have to prepare our community for what God's going to bring. We can do more damage and recruiting a diverse community without preparing ourselves for that community. So what are your thoughts on all that? Yes. And to to your point, before we can bring anybody in our house, we have to make sure our house is clean. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And so one of the things I'm constantly looking at is how the, the faces, the stories and the voices mm. we want to include in our classrooms, in our hallways, in our community. Yeah. Will they feel welcomed walking the halls in our classroom? Will they be understood? Yeah. And, and that's the biggest thing. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Jenny, I think our environments do an amazing job of welcoming. I, I think they do a, an amazing job of loving the people that are in. I think sometimes where we miss the mark is we don't understand different perspectives. I, agree. Um, I had one mom um, and, and her comment has just stayed in my brain. Mm -hmm. She said, listen, my kids are loved. My kids are welcomed. But do my kids feel understood? Mm -hmm. And I can't answer that as competently. Mm -hmm. And I sat back and I said, wow, to bring in a diverse group, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's racially, ethnically, socioeconomically, right? Things along those lines, you're also bringing in people that have different walks of life, mm -hmm. right? And they're coming in and they're still adhering to our biblical truths. They're still willing to get in here and academically compete. Mm -hmm. they may have a different perspective and it's up to us to make sure that we are cultivating an environment to where number one, Christ is at the center mm -hmm. of everything we do. Number two, that we can value, honor, and respect those that may not look like us the way God honors, loves, and respects us. But then also we can have such a respect, love, and honor for these people that we can actually sit back and say, I may not agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from. Right. And we have to be able to say that as we're sitting down and we're looking, can our, you know, you and I did something for CISA on the four C's, right? The culture, the content, the classroom and the care. Are we preparing for these people to come in? And as we go through our schools, we have to be able to do a soft audit, right? From our marketing to uh, what are the pictures in our classrooms to what are, what are the topics within our curriculum? And I think given the fact that things are so politicized now, we have to continue to go back to this is why we're doing it. This is how it's furthering God's kingdom. Right. And this is how we're preparing our kids to make disciples out of the nations. Yes. yes. So I think those are some of the big things. Our kids cannot go out into this world that is casting God out and not be prepared yeah. for those talking points. I agree. And I think it's really important that we understand that when diversity comes into whatever that diversity is. And I do think that, you know, going back, that is one really important area of this work is defining what you mean by diversity. Right. Are you going to have a diverse school with ability? Are you going to have a socioeconomic? What are you doing in these areas? If that's the diversity you want, make sure you're defining it and make sure that you are set up for success in those areas. Right. But also that understanding that our students, our faculty and staff, our students, our parents, they don't walk in our doors and leave behind all their experiences and all right. their identity. You know, obviously our identity is first in Christ, but God made us all unique. We don't leave that behind as we walk in the doors. And so it's, it's really beneficial that we meet everybody where they are, just as Jesus met us where we are and understanding our experiences that that's going to come in the classroom. You know, whether we have a kid who's being raised by their grandparents, whether mm -hmm. we have, you know, it, there's just so much a kid coming in, even from public school into a Christian school or a 
kid that's been in Christian schools their whole life, but different ones. You know, there's so much diversity that has to be understood. And so just really being willing to, as we said in the beginning, to listen well and to um, mm-hmm. and to really meet people where they are. And um, so one of my favorite, you know, we have a mutual great friend, Mia Embro, which she says, and that um, entrance part of it of welcoming is, does it look like we anticipated your arrival? Does it look like we want you here? And that's really important. But um, I guess that, so generally in our work, we have the pieces of attraction, training, and retention. So we're saying, hold off on the attraction. Let's go first training piece. Explain a little bit of what training looks like, how that plays out. Yeah. Well, the training is first understanding what are your immediate needs, Mm -hmm. right? Where, where are the blind spots? Not only that, what are, what are the worldly talking points? Right. And I think that training starts with the why this is why we're doing it. And this is our, why is embedded in biblical truth in the mission and vision of the school. And the reason why you do this, Jenny, as you know, is because it establishes the common ground. Yes. Our common ground in biblical truths and our common ground in the mission and vision of the school, which is also grounded in biblical truths. Yes. Right. And so I think when you go to any school, you'll know we all have three things in common, the academic excellence and the Christ-centered environment to prepare our kids to transform the world for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Any Christian school has that. And so this diversity component or this training is encompassing all of that. But I think having the why out there and then before having the conversation, and we've already talked about it, is establishing the terms. Yes, very So when when I say diversity, this is what it means, right? We say acceptance or equality or inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Some schools you still use inclusivity. This is what it means at this school. I will tell you, I'm, I'm extremely encouraged that the school I'm at now has already, that the ground is fertile. They've already tilled some of the soil in regards of embedding this stuff in their strategic plan. Love it. So it's already in black and white. It's etched in stone. This is what we're doing. And this is where we're going. Not only that, they've already had training to establish terms. They've already had training so that everybody has a voice. Tell me what are your concerns? So we can address those concerns. We can also address some of the common misconceptions. So I think training needs to encompass that. But then also the training needs to encompass the different voices, stories, and faces that are in our classroom. And that looks completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's even, you know, I go off so much of what you said, (laughs) Um, but I think that that last piece of it, you know, when we look at the stories that are told, you know, when let's just take the hard topic of slavery in the United States history, we teach slavery Mm -hmm. because it's part of our history. Um, So it's looking at, okay, who are the heroes that we're highlighting? And um, one of the history teachers here at the school where I work, she's amazing, becoming a really quick friend. And she's, her big statement is we don't study heroes, we study humans. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. so true because we all have failures and we all have faults. Right. As we look at that, what is the diversity? Do we hear from, you know, first story narratives of, you know, people who experienced it? Are we reading those stories of people who live that, that era? Or are we just highlighting ones that we are 
comfortable with and familiar with because that's who we were raised with. Are we willing to explore and expand? Right. And not just for our, our students of color or, you know, our students of different economic statuses or students of different abilities. It's for all of our students. It's for everyone, yes. It's for everyone to really understand better about God's creation and how everyone plays a role in the history right. of our, yeah, of our society. Um, and then with that, I agree with you. The school I'm at, it's great because they already have a strategic plan. They have already established some initiatives. And so coming in is easier because there's already some things established. Right. But the, the main thing now is establishing ourselves, right? Like who are we and how right. are we going to help fulfill these initiatives and fulfill these goals that the school has overall? And I think, you know, Jenny, you're so spot on with we're the new ones coming in. Yes. <laughs> this stuff is already set so for, for us who have been doing this work for a long time and by God's grace have established programs um, at, pre, at our previous school or who have even helped other schools by God's grace establish programs. I think it's, it's been humbling for me to always remember just because I may be a known entity here is somewhere else, I'm not a known entity at my new school. And so therefore it's on me to make myself highly visible, highly accessible, and that I'm constantly getting in front of people and saying, this is how I'm embedded. I'm on your team. Yeah. I'm for the school's mission and vision. I'm for biblical truth. So I think for any new diversity director, regardless of how long you've been doing this work, when you go to a new school, it's up to you to make sure you put yourself out there, that you set yourself up in a way that people can feel comfortable coming to you. And I, and I have to say the school I'm at has, has taken me up on that. And yeah. we've gotten into a, a room and we have had talks on their concerns, concerns of which are valid. And it's been awesome to see, you know, with two or more gathering in my name, there I am. I love it's it. great to see that as we've been in this meeting, Christ has been in the center and we have been able to say, yes, we want the same things. Yes. And we've been able to get out a lot of those common misconceptions. And it's put me in a place to be extremely vulnerable to say, I'm looking to partner with you. Yeah. I need your help because, you know, Jenny, we don't have all the answers. Nope. <laughs> we can't do the work alone. No. There will be times to where we get it wrong. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. We the number of times I've got it wrong. Yes. Right? <laughs> so I, my, my biggest thing is for, for parents, for leadership to know I get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. I've been married for 16 years. I get it wrong all the time. My wife will tell you. Uh, parent of four kids, they will tell you. <laughs> yes, they will. Ain't getting it right. <laughs> okay. So this is no different. So um, when we first met, this is bringing me back to that phone conversation when I first met you over the phone. I hadn't met you in person yet. And we had that automatic conversation of, okay, wait, you're white and you're black. And so how does that affect those first perceptions of going into a community? And I remember us discussing, you know, like for me being a white woman, it was that there's some people who are going to feel more comfortable with me because I'm right. a white woman. There are people I'm going to have to win over and try extra hard with to help them understand, no, I really am for this overall idea of diversity. Right. 
Right. And I, I do understand while I, while I'm not a person of color in the United States, I am learning and there are other areas of diversity. And so it's that working together. So what do you think about that? What do you think about, you know, how does it apply with a person of color coming into position versus a person, a, a white person and so on and so forth, how that plays out? Yeah. Well, first we, we have to acknowledge that we do see color. That's number one. Amen. Let, let's, let's go ahead and throw that out there. And, and the reason why I, I, find that people have a hard time identifying people initially by color is because the world has used color to divide. Yes. Yes. Period. Yes. And so as I come in, I have to understand. And, you know, I've said this to you multiple times when I go into predominantly white environments as a black male mm-hmm. talking with a predominantly white group on racial things, that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Because I'm constantly saying, okay, how am I coming off? Yeah. I have to be able to take in and empathize what this looks like if I'm the one looking at me yeah. as a white individual. Yeah. Right. So I think for you, you know, you coming in, you have to s- establish more rapport with your families of color. Yeah. Because, well, and, and again, I'm making a general. No, it is a generalization, but it's exactly the same thing. If I'm standing in a group of, um, you know, of, of majority white, but there are a few people of color, my automatic is, oh my goodness, I hope the people of color, like I'm, I'm helping, they see me as an ally. I'm helping them all these other things, right? right. Like that's my automatic focus is how am I coming off for them? Right. And for <laughs> me, it's, I'm coming in and I'm saying to myself, I don't want my white brothers and sisters to feel at any time I'm saying they're racist. Yeah. I'm saying they have to have guilt, shame, blame. No. I don't want And so I'm constantly sitting back. And that's why, you know, sitting in our positions, we have to be good listeners. Yes. We have to be the first to understand and the last to get upset. Oh, I agree. It's a, it's that balance of just really being willing to like remove myself from the situation mm-hmm. and be completely professional, but, but completely Jesus in it. And there are times that my humanity wants to pop up and you have to squelch it and say, you know what, this is right. not about you. And so, um, right. and there are times that, you know, like we said that we've been wrong, but there are also times that as I listen, I'm growing in my understanding of this. And so it really does help, but it is interesting. Just our two different, you know, when you look at, I agree with you, I think everybody sees color. I think actually to say, I don't see color is almost to almost to say that, you know, like we don't see what God created. So, cause he made it very visible. So, um, so I, I do believe that, you know, as we see color and as we understand the world's implications of that, of putting on the lens at, at that point, we put on the lens of Christ and say, okay, I see color. So I see different experiences possibly in different things, but what is the commonality of us and what brings us together? And that's, and that's where it's at. Um, And I totally forgot uh, the Christian brother that said this, but he says, listen, race does not follow us to the kingdom. Ethnicity does. It does. And we see that in Revelation. Probably D.A. Horton, but I'm not sure. Uh, And and it may be. And I I want to make sure I'm giving the proper credit. (laughs) You're good. I might just. ethnicity, (laughs) Ethnicity follows us. And if we believe we're made in the image, everything about me is made on purpose. Yes. And. The beauty about me is when I come in contact with you, you see what makes you not necessarily different, but unique. Yes. But you only realize that that when we're in relationship. So we come together. And and God is so big and magnificent and amazing. He can't be represented in one 
person and one type of person, right? Like that's not going to be representative of God. And so I right. think we do a real disservice to our kids, especially as we prepare them for the world, but as we prepare them for heaven, right? There will be, when John looked into heaven, he saw ethnicities. That's what he said. He saw all right. nations and all tribes. And so you're going, okay, well, we're preparing our kids, not just for the earth, but we're preparing them for the heaven where they're going to go, Lord willing. And so what does that look like? And I think, you know, Jenny, I think you're spot on. And my first thought, anytime I'm, I'm with the new family, I'm constantly thinking, how is it you came to choose Christian education? Mm. No doubt you, you may have the resources, your kids are smart, your, your kids are able to come in and compete academically and maybe athletically. You can get that at a secular private school, mm. but why Christian education? And I, and I think what makes us this distinct and distinguished from anyone else is yeah, we're preparing our kids for college, but ultimately we're preparing them for eternity. Mm. Yes. Amen. And so I think it would be a complete shame to give an education out in Jesus's name and for them to see, uh, you know, that multiplicity that's in heaven, in heaven and not have a microcosm of it in a school that's embedded in biblical truth. And to get there, it is important that we really focus on that training. Um, And so with that training, whether it's student training, when we look at curriculum or you look at events, whatever you're looking at, making sure that we understand the experiences of our students, we understand what they're bringing into the classroom, but then also that training of faculty and staff, you know, preparing them to meet kids where they are. And then also offering training for parents, offering spaces for us to maybe have a book club. You know, let's discuss this topic. I know that, um, you know, a panel on how do you talk to your kids about race? How do you talk to your kids about ability? Whatever you can offer for training, but it helps the community come together to wrestle with these ideas and topics together. And it builds that, I guess, that unity that we're really always looking for. Um, For sure. And I think, Jenny, you you hit upon something that um, if, if directors of diversity, if schools are not transparent with this, can go off the rails. It's the curriculum curriculum piece. I think oftentimes parents hear curriculum, they think indoctrination into something secular. Yes. Right? And I think it's it's important for diversity directors to make sure that they are constantly um, putting out in front of parents, no, our curriculum is going to be biblically based, number one. Number two, there isn't any outside political, social, racial agenda, right? That political institutions. We're not political. (laughs) We're politically neutral. And so, you know, when we look at our curriculum and it's not a complete overhaul of the curriculum, it's to say, where do these conversations fit? So so case in point, I'm I'm constantly looking at science, right? Because science brings about God's truth, right? And I'm saying, how cool would it be for us or for science teachers when we talk biology or anatomy to talk about melanin and how we all have a certain right level of melanin in our skin. And then to bring up, how can it be, you can fit melanin probably in a Dixie cup and the, and the amount of melanin in a Dixie cup has been used to divide people for generations. This Dixie cup of melanin has been used to show superiority or inferiority, right? 
Yeah. How, and that's how we can embed it in a very organic sense. Yeah. Right. And, and I think it has bigger implications. Like I always talk about, you know, where I grew up in Central America, it wasn't a racial divide. There were some colorisms, but they didn't have racial categories. Mm-hmm. Right. But every society has a hierarchy. Every, right. every people group creates those things. So, and, and I'm not saying that they're always wrong because you do see hierarchies biblically, right? You had, you had certain people in certain positions, but it's a value we put on those. And so right. working with kids on, on how do you go into this world and how do you be humble if you're the CEO of a giant company and be that right. government leadership and realize that your value is the same as the person who's cleaning the floors? And then sure. how do you, how do you, if your kids are called to, you know, to, to do that, to, to take care and serve the staff at a large institution, how do you tell them that their value isn't just in that, but it is the same as the CEO and everything else? And so oh, I think for sure. it, it's all embedded in that. And so no matter their color, no matter, you know, the beautiful way that God created them, that they have value in Christ. And that's where it comes from. And no matter what God says. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. So the last piece we have always is, is that retention piece. How do you keep your families there? And so some of the things I, you know, I've established in other places is just that idea of listening. Once again, pulling in people who we consider part of those areas of diversity that we're really trying to focus on and reach out to, to make sure that we're diverse and pulling them in to listen to how is your experience? How is our institution affecting your home and how does your home affect our institution? And so what do you think about that retention piece? How have you seen it play out? Well, I think the retention piece is an indicator of how well you're doing Mm -hmm. to make sure people are understood. If if you have a certain portion of your population that is leaving, I mean, they're, they're telling you something. They may, again, may feel welcome, love, but do they feel understood? Is there a platform for them to be heard? Yeah. And, and can they see your action steps to enhance your environment? Um, I think that transparency goes a long way. You know, I'm constantly asked about, hey, how can we get more black males in our school? Mm-hmm. Well, more black male teachers. Yeah. And the transparency comes in, you know, as I sit and talk with parents to say, hey, understand it's a numbers game. Two percent of all educators are black males. Mm -hmm. There's only two percent of them. Mm -hmm. And data will show you that the majority of that two percent go back to public school because that's where they came from. And they're trying to give back to those kids that were like them. Mm -hmm. If they do look private schools, they may go secular private. Right. And then they'll look to us. So it's really a numbers game, but it's one of those pieces, Jenny, that says, how welcoming are we to outside communities Yeah. that yeah. say, hey, I want you. Yeah. I want you in and come on in and, and let me show you what we're doing. So that retention piece is based on who else are you bringing in, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it's really important. And I'm glad you brought up the HR piece of it. Um, I remember, uh, you know, I I think majority of Christian schools are trying to diversify their faculty and staff because it enriches the lives of all of our students, our community as a whole. And um, so I had I had been after this one, this one amazing math teacher. He had won many awards. His daughter was finally coming to our school, but he was like, no, I'm still going to be in public school. And then finally he came over. He agreed to it after two years of me. um, Let's just say like following him, texting him constantly, doing what I typically, right? right? Finally came over and um, I was so excited. And then I was like, 
oh my goodness, I can't just drop you in here. Like I need to be with you. I need to like be that place where you can come and share some questions and frustrations and not misunderstandings. Not only are you one of the very few, if not the only one in our school of a black male, but you're also coming from public school. You're also coming from, you know, there were so many things that were just leading to some misunderstandings and some not um, really feeling like we had equipped him well. Um, I remember the first conversation we had was y'all are very relational with the students in public school. I was taught, I can't be that relational with the students. And so those kind of things, I realized we really have to mentor well so that there is success for everybody in those situations. You know, you're, you're spot on Jenny, because you may have a candidate that wants to come, but you have to make sure you're securing their success and to make sure they're not blindsided. And, And I will tell you, Speaking from a black male's perspective, Mm -hmm. as I come in, to your point, do I have somebody I can go to Mm -hmm. that will understand what it's like to be a black male in in predominantly white environments? And that comes with the learning curve. Yeah. And that's just that's just what it is. I would love to get to a place to where it doesn't matter. However, we understand we're bringing experiences from the outside world on in. Mm-hmm. And I need someone that's going to understand me. Our kids are saying the same thing, yeah. right? If, if it were a school, even on a gender level, if it was a school heavily populated with males and you have one or two females, they're, of course, going to feel out of place and as if nobody understands them. And don't we have that in the majority of our elementary schools? that's what exactly so you 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 may have have, and not enough males yeah not enough males so you may have that one male teacher there that's where do i go to that will understand me and i think so we we have to oh so sorry no i think even people with some disabilities you know where is that safe place for me to go and ask questions or if someone you know has you know if if things are happening that I don't understand or that affect me differently, how do I then, um, I guess, talk about those? Where do I process that? And for sure. And I think everybody needs to have somebody they can go to that. It brings us back to the point that understand where I'm coming from. And that doesn't mean that we have to be the same. I mean, you know, you and I are obviously not the same. We're super really far. Maybe in age we're similar, but that's about all we got. <laughs> so, so, but that doesn't mean that we have to be the same. And that's the beauty for me of being brothers and sisters in Christ is that I can step out of myself and meet you where you are. And that's what, right. that's that amazing piece of our identity. Our primary identity is in Christ. So you are my brother, just as my, I would say even more than my biological brother who I love and would do anything for you are my blood brother in Christ. And so I should do mm-hmm. the same with you. So, yeah, for sure. And I think we need to keep that in the forefront, Jenny, and those feelings and sentiments are reciprocated. Please, please know. And I think I've been in Christian ed by God's grace going on 17 years. Oh no, you're younger than me. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> not by a lot. Not okay. by a lot. Uh, but in Christianity for 17 years, and what keeps me here is the bond I have with brothers and sisters in Christ. What keeps me here are the families. What keeps me in Christian ed are the kids. It's the leadership here. And, you know, let's throw it out there. What allows me 
or gives me comfort to have my kids walking the halls in the classroom is the comfort and encouragement I get from my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm sitting here at a new school and I will tell you, I feel confident. I feel at peace with the leadership. I feel comfort and at peace and know I'm supported by the board, by the families, by the teachers and by the students. And, and <clears throat> I've only been here for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, our schools have a lot going for them. They do. We just need to work through some of our growing pains and yeah. some general concerns and some common misconceptions out there. So I think if we if we're to summarize all we've said, because I feel like we've kind of gone all over the world, but that's how it is when we talk together, right? Like, hey, Joel, what do you think about this? How does right. this work out? Um, but to summarize is that this work isn't easy, mm. but that we're all in it together because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And what unites us is so much bigger than what divides us. And it right. should be the thing that, um, that keeps us in this together and that we are preparing for heaven. And we're preparing students to go in the world, but not be of the world, but to right. go in the world. And so- what we're trying to do is not secular. We're trying to filter the secular and apply the biblical worldview to everything. Right. God created diversity and he created it for our good. So, yeah. So yeah. Joel, it's been fun talking to you as always is. Thanks for joining in the podcast. Anything you want to say before I stop the. No, Jenny, this, this has been great. And for any new diversity director out there starting out and they may be apprehensive somewhat or concerned, this work is well worth it. Um, this work is kingdom work. Christ didn't say it was going to be easy. No. But we have an eternal reward. And as long as we keep him, um, biblical truths at the forefront, you know, you establish that common ground. This work, yes, is rewarding. And so for anyone starting that, hang in there. You have a support group and a friend and brother in Christ in me. And I know a sister in Christ in Jenny. And so keep doing this work. Yeah. Um, there are more, there are more good days than bad days and the yeah. good days overwhelmingly outnumber the bad days. And it's so worth it. And like Joel said, like if, if you need anything, we're here to support you in this work. So reach out. If you're a school administrator, you don't know how to start a program. You don't know what it looks like for a strategic plan, what it looks like for the impact on the school, reach out. If you're just someone that's interested in the work, feel free to reach out. We're here. We've, we've walked the path for many, many years. And so um, we can tell you what we, what you shouldn't do and maybe some things that you should do along the way. So for sure. (laughs) Thanks Joel. And thanks for everybody listening in. And um, I hope you'll join us next time. Awesome. Thanks Jenny. Take care everyone. Thank you for listening to Grace 360. As always, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. You can find us on social media. We would love to have you as part of our discussion with your thoughts and questions. Once again, thank you for listening to Grace 360.